This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Andre Durand. He's the CEO of Ping Identity, and they're on a mission to simplify how enterprises provide secure and seamless digital experiences. In 2002, he founded Ping Identity with a vision of securing the internet through identity. He recently sold his company to Vista Equity Partners. Now, before that, he co-founded and was CEO of Durand Communications, which was sold to Web Interactive in 98. And in 2002, he founded Jabber Inc., which was sold to Cisco in 2008. Andre, are you ready to take us to the top? I am, Nathan. You know a thing or two about selling companies, huh? (laughs) I guess I do. I certainly have never built companies to sell them, but when you've been in business for a while, I guess it happens. Vista Equity Partners is one of the largest private equity players in the B2B SaaS space. Why'd you sell to them? Well, we had been approached uh, by a partner, a strategic partner in first quarter of, end of first quarter of last year. And, um, you know, after being in the space for about 15 years, having investors who were in uh, for over 10 years, and uh, and achieving a certain size and scale, we thought it appropriate to kind of see what the market was um, was interested in. And so, we um, we tested the market, had a couple of strategics interested, and then surprisingly had a few um, financial sponsors also interested. And uh, so it was at that time that. I reached out to Vista after having met them probably a few months prior, and uh, and they were very aggressive. When they see something they like, they go for it. So that's a good thing, right? Yeah, Vista is not shy, and they they did a lot of research on the space and on Ping prior, uh, you know, to me first meeting with them. So they knew that they wanted to make a move in identity and security. So take us back. When was uh, launch year? And for those people that are not familiar with Ping, go ahead and tell us now what it does. So launch year was 2002, and um, on the original premise that. Um, the, everything on the internet was anonymous, and how could we possibly secure an anonymous an internet? And uh, so the original concepts to bring identity you know, to the core infrastructure of the internet was what the company uh, was founded on back in 2002. We were probably four or five years early, frankly. Um, SaaS had not yet hit. That was, you know, kind of in the 2006, 2000 timeframe. But there was a lot of needs for identity in large enterprises and, in essence, federating or connecting and securing all of the various internal systems that enterprises had. So we set out to uh, develop the standards that would connect those systems, focused on single sign-on initially. And over the course of the last four or five years, kind of expanded from that vision of connecting identity through single sign-on to appreciating that we really <clears throat> we really are are ultimately striving to have a frictionless user experience but also a secure user experience and so in that 
was kind of born or manifest the vision of zero login, yet real-time access security. So it's it's the notion that our devices are so intelligent now and have so many sensors and capabilities that they should be able to recognize us when we're using them. And then the backend infrastructure that supports what we have access to should be smart enough to allow or deny our access into various systems. And so how can we achieve this kind of utopia of a completely secure environment that recognizes us so that we don't have to manually log in or authenticate, yet at the same time smart enough that if it sees things that, um, you know, that are not normal in the behavior or in some other signals, it can shut off access in real time. And what are the, so help me understand who's actually paying you. Are these individual consumers or these enterprises signing up in a thousand seat chunks? Yeah, these are large enterprises signing up in tens of thousands. Okay. And, and did you, I assume you price per seat? We do. Okay. What do people pay on average per seat? Well, it depends on whether or not we're talking about employees of an enterprise or whether or not we're talking about their customers. And in our particular case, it depends on which capabilities or use cases they're deploying. So if it's just single sign-on, there's a there's a price per seat uh, depending on the capacity that you're buying. Is it 10 to 20,000 users? Is it 100 to 200,000 users? Um, is it MFA, strong authentication through the mobile phone? Is it access control and API security? So typically, if an enterprise licenses from us, they will say, we want an enterprise uh, use case for our employees. We would like strong authentication, single sign-on, and uh, both web and API access control. And they might start there, as an example. And what's that starting like first-year contract value typically? I know you have many different cohorts, but typically... You know, our average prices range from, you know, kind of initial ASPs, if you will, range in the low hundreds of thousands. And for larger customers, they will make north of million dollar annual commitments. Got it. And then have you built, tell me more about your team and and how you've structured your team to drive expansion revenue year after year via inside sales. Well, it's not all inside sales. We do have an inside sales group, but we have a large, even a larger field team. And I guess that's consistent with selling to larger enterprises in the Fortune 1000. Um, we do align our go-to-market efforts, both marketing, uh, inside sales, kind of territory development reps, and field sales are all focused on various targets in, the, in say, the Fortune 1000. What's your team size to date? We're approaching 600. Okay, 600. And then, so you, uh, I want to get more of the story here. So 2002, you launched. We understand what it does. We kind of understand where you are in terms of team size and average ASPs. Um, how much capital had you raised before the Vista acquisition, before any you know liquidity event? 110 million. Okay, and why did you, you had exits before that. So, and I assume you probably had raised money on some of those. So you probably knew what it was like to work with investors. Why decide to really go the hardcore funding route on this thing? Well, we had actually raised only about 30 million prior to 2013. And um, selling to the enterprise and selling software, we had a, a fairly traditional enterprise software licensing business, perpetual software licenses. In 2013, we shifted the business model to subscription. Um, and in the process of doing that, because we were we were sizable at that time, I think doing about 75 million a year. What year was that? Um, and, and that was 2013. So when we switch the business to subscription, you start collecting about a third of what you would normally collect under a perpetual license. And so that created a, a cash flow deficit 
the first year of about two thirds of that 75 million, the second year about a third. But it's predictable, it really, right? That's what that's it was the very. It was predictable, but it required about 80 million in financing. Is my point? Wow. Okay. So between 2013 and 2016, we needed to raise about 80 million of the 110 to fund the cash flow uh, deficit during the transition. And after so pre-transition, model. 75 million AR 2013. What in 2016 would you grow that to? So it wasn't ARR. It was 75 million in revenue and bookings, but that was a one-time. Ah. Right? And we were converting that. And so at the end of 2016, then we we were north, we had converted 75 million in one-time revenue to over 100 million in recurring revenue. That's amazing in a three-year period. Wow. And that's incredible. Now, just to be clear, that's that's that 100 million, that's purely predictable. You you look at all the economics like churn, payback, ARPU, LTV, CAC, that's all recurring revenue. No, no big services fees in there or anything like that? No, we've always been less than 5% services fees. So that's really all recurring. Okay. And then, so- Vista approaches you, the information reported that exit was for $600 million, obviously an interesting exit. If you're over a hundred million, you know, that's a good six X, right? But why decide to go that path versus keeping control and going ahead and going public? Well, part of this is based upon the investor dynamics and, uh, and really my responsibility to my investors who had supported me through that period of time. Really, they had, uh, the early investors had reached, I think the logical lifespan of their investment. And I knew that I needed an investor that could help us um, really kind of go the next level, if you will, kind of reset the clock, bring more capital to bear in a dynamic and fast growing market. And so I, I think the timing was that had we gone public, the ability to get liquid for initial investors probably would have been extended by another two or three years. And that's you're saying they couldn't, it would send bad signals to the market if they cashed out in the first six months, is what you're saying. Well, many times they can't. Right? Oh, there's actual the lockup. Well, yeah. I mean, the market wouldn't support pulling out just the investment. Keep in mind, pulling out $100 million of just the investment. So, you know, an organized secondary with perfect execution, maybe within the first six to nine months would get out maybe the invested capital, um, but it wouldn't get out their profit. And so, you know, the truth is the timing of liquidity for early investors that would pull out both their investment and their upside and their profit could take two to three years. And again, that's, that's assuming perfect execution and a number of external market variables that you can't control. Okay, Top Tribe, many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly, and why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45-day money-back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get the site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4,500 templates and a free e-commerce plugin as well and 24-7 support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with $100 in free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. But you got to do it now. Again, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. What are you at now today in terms of total customers using you guys? I think we're just under 1,500 
enterprise customers. And you just measure that really by logos? By logos. Yep. That's correct. And then are you, um, when you're making decisions about new markets to go into, are you looking at things like CAC, ARPU, payback period, all that stuff still? Or are you, you, you have less focus on that now that you're more of a mature business spitting off cash? You never stop looking at that. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I have an extreme focus on CAC. What is your CAC Ab- right now? Absolutely. We're, uh, we're about 1.2. In terms of a dollar, you need to spend a dollar to get a dollar two in ARR? We spend about a dollar 20 to get a dollar in ARR. Yep, that makes sense. And then how many years do you expect that dollar to last? Well, we've got a very low churn, effective churn, and a very, a very long lifetime value. Uh, you know, it's, it's right around 10%. Annually, and that's logo? The, there's a small difference between the logo and the dollar value, and I want to make sure to be accurate in comments and because I'm not current. <laughs> but it's 10% generally logo somewhere around there, and that's annually, right? Not monthly, hopefully? That's annually. Yeah, everything <laughs> we, is annually. We wouldn't be talking if that was monthly no. churn. All right, good. So, and then, so you optimize your payback period then to about 12 months, or sorry, 14 months. About 14 months. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And are you generally getting more aggressive or less aggressive currently? You're willing to spend a little more or a little less now? I would say there's a lot of conversations about spending a little bit more yep. at a 1.2, especially given the lifetime value of the accounts is significant. And the- What do you assume uh, that is, by the way, like in, in the millions? The lifetime value of an enterprise account is absolutely in the millions. Above five? Uh, no, probably not on average. Okay. Um, not on average. But we have so many new products in the last five years. The white space in our existing logos is really significant. You mean the wallet so, share you can still go after? Absolutely. Yeah. Andre, last question before we wrap up with the famous five. There's a famous saying out there going, it's really hard to motivate a guy once you make him rich. Vista made you rich. Why the hell are you still working there? <laughs> I've reflected a lot of, on this comment in the last 12 months. The truth is the mission is not done. And I think internal drive and motivation, when it's there for the right reasons, money does little to change the equation of motivation. I mean, so much of what we're doing here, both internally and just building a great company and externally serving customers and solving security challenges on the internet. There's a lot of work to be done there. And uh, so nothing's changed. I mean, if anything, I would say I'm probably more motivated today and less distracted, frankly. By some it, of the, yeah. I was going to say, is it your 50th birthday? Hold your shirt up. Is it your 50th birthday today? <laughs> yeah. Kiss it me. Is. It says kiss. For those of you listening to audio only, it's <laughs> kiss me. I'm 50. What is that? A donkey with a hat on? <laughs> well, it's, it's, they're all inside jokes. They're all inside jokes. <laughs> I don't this know if I a, want to know that joke. No, nah, this is a goat. I, I, I can't speak for the, uh, the label underneath the goat, Dana, <laughs> my, my EA put that on there, but the goat was a joke where I was, I, we were talking about BHAG or, or our BHAG goals. And one of my senior managers thought I said, big, hairy, audacious goat not big, hairy, audacious <laughs> goal. And so the goat was born. And anytime <laughs> we refer to big goals, the goat appears. And so the whole darn thing is an inside joke. It's hysterical. All right, let's wrap up here with the famous five. These are quick answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Good to great. Number two, is, there a, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Elon Musk. Number three, besides your own, is there a favorite online tool you use as you're growing the business? 
I use Evernote. I take a lot of notes. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? About six and a half. That's good. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Married with two kids. Oh, two kids. And are they out of the out of house yet or are they young? 13 and 14. Woo, you are in it. All right, 50 years old. Last question, Andre. Take us back 30 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I think understanding how to be extremely impatient and patient at the same time is a interesting dichotomy. Finding the balance in that equation is, um, is difficult, but worthy. There you guys have it from Andre. Be patient and impatient at the same time. He had many successes before Ping Identity, but his most recent was launched in 2002, playing in the personal identification space. Grew that very large up to 2013 and as kind of a one-time model, doing about 75 million bucks in one-time revenue that year. Then raised additional capital. They've raised 128 million total to transition the one-time stuff to recurring. And three years later in 2016, they're now over 100, they were over $100 million in ARR. And he decided strategically, really specifically for early investors and getting a good return for them to sell to Vista Equity Partners for about $600 million. He's still focused on the mission, helping his 1,500 customers with his team of over 600 people there at Ping, now a part of Vista. Andre, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan.